0: You are about to experience the result of hard work and dedication from the city of champions, Cleveland's own, 90th's finest, self-made, hard-working entrepreneurs, unequivocally raw, no holds barred. This is Epiphany Media. Yo,
1: go download the free Anchor app or just go to Anchor FM to get started. It's the easiest way to start your own podcast, and it has all the tools to record and edit from the phone or the computer.
0: You get free distribution for all of your podcasts, easy way to make money as you record, everything that you need to start your podcast journey.
1: And I mean, it has everything. So look, go to your phone, go to the app store, and download Anchor.fm. You are about to
0: experience the result of hard work and dedication from the city of champions Cleveland's own 90th's finest self-made, hard-working entrepreneurs unequivocally raw no holds barred this
2: is Epiphany Media Hey What's It's up? funny
0: because Angel already kicked out of Facebook already What did she say? Uh, I don't know but Every time she can't catch a break, (laughs) welcome back to another episode of Epiphany Media Podcast. Uh, I got different lights and it's freaking me out a little bit. Uh, that's what I'll be.
1: (laughs) It's a good like you're a shade lighter than you usually are.
0: Yeah, it's 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 good lighting, but it's different, it's wearing me out a little bit. you no, you get set in your ways and stuff is tripping me out. Like
1: <laughs> um, looking like a ghost. But...
0: Yeah, I know, uh, very appropriate, right? Uh, so, yeah, so welcome back to another episode. Um, we do have a guest, but before, we just want to remind you guys that, as you guys can see behind me, um, for this show, and I guess I could put it on the screen, for this show, all of our other shows, all of our posts uh, for this month, as we've been telling you guys all month, uh, the more you like and share and, and get other people to share, uh, the bigger our donations going to be for the J.D. Breast Cancer Foundation here in Cleveland, Ohio, for October Breast Cancer uh, Awareness Month. Um, you guys have been doing great. I can't even like you guys have really been doing great. So uh, keep it going. We have another We have, including this show. Uh, three shows, three three shows, counting this show. So keep liking, keep sharing, keep uh, putting in your groups, all of that good stuff. And uh, yeah, man, we're uh, still working on uh, getting somebody from the foundation to come on the show with us. So uh, just keep liking and sharing and doing your part, so we can do our part. We appreciate it for sure. Love it. Uh, <sighs> Look at you, man. You chomping at the bed, man. Look at you. It's exciting. All right, without further ado, let's bring in our guest. Hey guys uh i i'm on a i'm on a delay well, every time videos play for me i'm playing a delay hopefully it went through i have no idea these new buttons are, are tripping me out too anyway we got chrissy from uh soul sister for Phen- uh i, I was going to say phenomenon <laughs> that'll work I too <laughs> paranormal uh so jump on with us. We figured this would be a great way to start uh, Halloween week. Uh, I don't know what happened to Byron, but we'll get it together. Um, <laughs> uh, okay, it went through perfect. And just said she was just fine. Perfect. Okay, perfect. Good. Um, uh, yeah, so I, I thought this would be a great uh, opportunity. It's a, a great way to kick off uh, Halloween uh, week. Uh, we can learn something new. Uh, we can get some objective opinions, uh, because everybody's full of them. And uh Chris, thanks for joining us.
2: Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. All right, so we're about to get into it uh off camera. Not get into it, but like we was we was about to start the show before the cameras was rolling. So Byron, I'll ask <laughs> yeah. ask your question. I think it's just a, a good intro and then we'll we'll then Chris we we'll want to find out more about uh, pretty much what you just told us off camera. Yeah,
1: so off camera, um I asked you, you know, you, you said your headquarters are in a jail mm-hmm. from 1904.
2: Correct. Correct. So, so
1: I, I, so I asked you, you know, is, is your current headquarters hunted? Uh,
2: <laughs> it it absolutely is. So, uh, to your point, I'm sitting in the the historic Huntsville County Jail or the historic Scott County Jail in Huntsville, Tennessee. And it was built in 1904. It was in operation until 2008, and after which it just said vacant till about 2017. They came in and did some repainting and added some new windows and such, and then it said vacant from 2017 until this year, when my business partner and I approached the town of Huntsville and said, "Will you allow us to um, operate a museum as well as historical paranormal?" tours and flashlight tours and such through the jail. And they said, okay, let's try this. And um, so we've been open for about six weeks. And I can tell you that there are a lot of things in this, this jail that we cannot explain. Um, you know, that's nothing for us to be sitting here at night or even during the day. And we'll, we'll hear footsteps on the second and third floors. Um, there's a stairwell in the back. We'll hear footsteps running up the back uh, stairwell there was a paranormal investigation team here uh, last Saturday and uh, they were filming. There was two guys. They were both former corrections officers. So big burly guys. Um, and so they were upstairs and you get the jail. When you rent the jail for a paranormal investigation, you get it until three thirty. So around one forty-five, 45 they were upstairs in our kitchen area and uh, they, they thought they heard something. So they opened the door and they pan their cameras through the hallway on the second floor and a picture frame goes flying off the wall. And so they screamed, said a f- few expletives and came downstairs and said, yeah, I think we're done. We're done for the night. So we got what we wanted and then we'll, we'll, we'll catch y'all later essentially. But um, so that was a great piece of evidence uh, that we can't explain. Um, so yeah, to your question, we do believe that there's some spirit activity here.
0: <laughs> wow, see me personally. Not- uh, can, wait, can you imagine Opening the door or anywhere, not even at your house, and then like just a picture frame just go flying across the room.
2: It's an interesting piece of video. You'll have to check it out.
0: I would, yeah, I I would do the same thing. Like, okay, well, thank you. We're we're done, and uh, have a good day. That's amazing to
1: me, Chrissy, is that you still continue to work there? (laughs) Like, I don't, I don't like. I would put in my. I would sell the building immediately.
2: (laughs) Well, you know, for us, it really is fascinating. Um, We've been uh, investigating as well. My sisters and I have been investigating as a team, Soul Sisters Paranormal, uh, since 2014. And we've investigated at some of the most reportedly haunted locations in the country. And, you know, to us, really, once you get into a, a quote unquote haunted location, Um, it really becomes about the exploration of trying to figure out the spirits that are there, communicating with them and really telling their story. And uh, so that's what we really enjoy doing. That's what we love to do, um, uh, highlighting the historical narrative of each of the locations, but then coupling that with any unexplained paranormal activity that we find. That's really what we feel our job is. Um, and to Laura's question here in the comments, um, we've, we've made contact with some of the ghosts here in the jail for certain. Um, we've had several different stories throughout, th- historical stories that, that we've, we've researched through newspaper articles, and we have people come in and tell, it, uh, tell us these stories. Um, So we've made contact with some of them. There's a very strong male presence here. Uh, We believe that it was a former sheriff named uh, Richard, Richard Ellis. He was killed here in front of the jail in 1925. It's still an unsolved murder as to who killed him. He was ambushed from behind. So we think that his spirit is here. And then we have reports of other spirits that um, are pretty prevalent that we feel inside the jail. So uh, yeah, we, we, we really enjoy just hearing from them and communicating with them
0: wow so is so because uh so that that was one of my questions was uh that i wrote down that i wanted to i guess find out more information about was uh i watched a couple like your videos and stuff online and um uh like when you say like uh, i think it was you or your sister i'm sure both of you guys said it multiple times but you know like it's a strong male male presence or whatever like what is that feel like like what, what is the, the or the difference in feeling like a strong male presence strong female presence or whatever like what does that feel like to you
2: so, and that's an interesting question. So when we go into a location, um, you you do start to to really kind of feel the location out. Now, I'm not going to say that we're empathic or anything like that. We don't have any type of psychic abilities. Um, but I think by the very nature of us being females, we come at it with a more empathetic type of, of viewpoint, right? Um, we don't go in with bravado. We don't go in with thumping our chests um, and saying, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to believe you're here unless you throw this chair across the room. That's not how we operate. So because we go in with that sense of empathy for the spirits uh, that live in these locations, I think we get a different response um, depending on if it's a male or a female. Um, So for example, when we go into a jail or a prison, which was predominantly a male population, you you feel a little bit differently. You you get a a different sense of, of the spirits that are there. So for example, we investigated at Brushy Mountain State Penitentiary, which is in Petros, Tennessee. This was a, a maximum security uh, a facility. It was an operation from 1896 until 2009. And it really housed the worst of the worst in in the state of Tennessee. So when you go to these locations, knowing that you had the worst of the worst of the population, you get that that different feeling, that different, that different spirit feeling, a stronger male feeling, if you will, um, versus going into some place like a hospital, where it's predominantly females in the the nursing profession and stuff like that, you get a different feel. Um, So it it is one of those things that you, once you you're in this for a while and delve into it, um, you do start to kind of differentiate between that.
1: Oh, man. So I got a question. Was there any type of education or any type of schooling for this? Like what, like if somebody wanted to get into it, like how would they?
2: Uh, there's no type of schooling per se. Um, there are people out there that profess to give you degrees in paranormal investigations. And honestly, those are a bunch of charlatans, and I would not recommend that. Um, there's really no formal education. You just really have to go in, with, in my mind, you really have to go in with what I consider the right intentions. And by that, I mean, you need to go in with a sense of respect for both the location that you're going to investigate, as well as the spirits that you're trying to communicate with. I think that's the first step that you have have to have. You know, this isn't something that you go into to try to get scared on a Saturday night or to go into and get a jump scare. Um, that's really not what we're about as uh, paranormal investigators. So for us, when we first started, it was really having the, the drive to investigate these locations, um, both, again, historically as well as uh, for, for paranormal activity. Um, and we just really started basic. Uh, we had some voice recorders. We had a couple of digital cameras. We had a couple of night vision video cameras. And we just, a- as we go, each investigation allows us to enhance our techniques. Um, the the very first investigation that we did was in 2014, and it was at the West Virginia State Penitentiary, which is located in Moundsville, West Virginia. And as I said before, it, it, yeah, it's very, it was very rudimentary. We All we really had was... A belief in the paranormal, and we wanted to see if we could communicate with the resident spirits of that facility. And we left that experience with what we felt was compelling evidence, stuff that we could not explain. Um, Doors slamming, um, footsteps running at us in the darkness when nothing materialized, um, males' voices when we're only females there. And so that really led us to want to explore this more in depth. And um, so there wasn't so much a formal education or anything, although I will say all of us on Soul Sisters Paranormal, we do have advanced degrees, but that's not in paranormal research or paranormal investigations. My, my degree is actually in criminal justice. Um, so I, I do think that, that that tends to lead us a little bit down a path of research, more so than some paranormal investigators. We come at it with a very research-minded background. Um, but as far as a formal education, it really is one of those things that we just go in and, and enhance our technique after every investigation that we go on.
1: Yeah, like... Uh like the West Virginia one I see you researched um because the one guy like you found out that he watched uh, days of our lives <laughs> and then he smoked cigarettes and he put it you know you put it on the bed and everything like yep. do, you, do you think things like that invoke a, a better response when you're trying to figure out if there's any paranormal activity
2: I do. And and thank you for watching that video. Um, the West Virginia State Penitentiary was built in 1876 and it was in operation until 1995. And again, it was a maximum security prison. And so it also held the worst of the worst in, in the state of West Virginia. And so the prisoner that you're referring to, his name was Red Snyder. And uh, through our research, we found out that he had two vices. He had uh, a, a, a love of cigarettes and watching Days of Our Lives. So every day they would wheel a television in front of his cell, allow him to watch Days of Our Lives, and then they would wheel the television out. So when we approach that investigation, um, and and when we approach any investigation, we go in with the feeling that we're trying to communicate with somebody who had a human existence. They lived, they died, and now we're communicating with that that spirit. Um, so we want to treat them as the the humans that they were and give them that respect. So even though this guy was a, a horrible person in life, we're trying to communicate with him and we want to give him that respect and say, hey, we know a little bit about you. So we're going to leave you some cigarettes and we're going to leave you an episode of Days of Our Lives. So we downloaded one, we put it on the laptop, we left it in his cell and we said, here you go. Watch this. We'll be back in an hour. So we let it just play by itself. And then we had we, the, the laptop only had an hour battery life. So we knew the laptop had died at that point. And so we went back into the cell and we said, did you see the stuff that we had left for you? And we captured a male's voice saying yes. And, um, and so then we had a couple of, of really cool what we call EVP sessions with this spirit, And as we were wrapping up, I said, thank you for communicating with us. And we captured a male's voice saying, no, thank you. And I I feel that, you know, kind of to your question, when you go in with that sense of respect, I I think the spirits give you that respect in return, i.e. they communicate with you. So I think he was saying, no, thank you for taking the time to Mm -hmm. understand what I liked and letting me have that for a minute and I'm willing to communicate with you because of that. So we call those things trigger items. Um, So the Days of Our Lives episode and the cigarettes were trigger items. And through our research, we try to develop trigger items with every location that we go to. So whether it be a prison or civil war hospital or uh, the Lizzie Borden house, um, we try to take things that we think will elicit a response uh, from the entities that are in that house or that location. Ah, so good, so good.
0: Uh, let me see. Angela said, uh, My parents' house was haunted. She said, uh, Doors were slammed. You could hear footsteps. The rocker chair viciously started rocking back and forth. Awesome. Uh, like, for for me, I mean, it's time to move. Like, it's time to get out of there. And, uh, you know, even if you got to build a new house, like, sometimes you got to build a, a completely new house. Uh, that's, like, I guess the greatest thing for me is that. Uh, See, I, I would be, if I was in that line of work, I would be more concerned about, like, the work following me home. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you go home and try to have some and Like, somebody like, no, you forgot me. You didn't talk to me. And I'm like, oh, my God, like, you gotta sleep, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. like you know, and, you know, I I I haven't had any personal uh, like experience with, spirits like and stuff, to my knowledge. Um, mm-hmm. So all my stuff comes from, you know, Hollywood and, and, you know, I know some, some, some uh, uh, things I'm sure do justice to the field. Some of them are completely nonsensical, mm-hmm. um, you know. Uh, so I, I try to you know take a take a balance and kind of meet in the middle or whatever with mm-hmm. what I feel like um, like it could be. And uh, like I said, my my biggest thing was like, man, I got to take this home. Or I'm thinking about you know <laughs> the guy that was in the Civil War and and where I forgot somebody or something. And that would be my uh, my biggest thing about it your line
2: of work, man. It's, 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 <laughs> I, I, think, I think that Laura asked a similar question over here. Has anything ever followed us home? And the answer to that is no. Uh, when we go to a location, the, the very first thing that we do is we say a prayer of protection before we go in and we'll say a prayer of protection when we come out. And we also, we set our intentions when we go into a location. And by that, I mean, we'll go into a location and we'll say, okay, my name is Christy. I'm here to communicate with you. You're not allowed to harm me in any way. You're not allowed to touch me in any way unless I give you permission to do so. And you're not allowed to follow me home. And because of that, I'm giving you that respect. And if you'd like to communicate with me, I'm here to hear. I'm here to listen to your story. And again, when we set those intentions, I really think that it sets the boundaries of 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 what really um, uh, communicates with us and approaches us. So I can tell you, we've never been physically harmed. We've never been physically scratched or anything like that. Um, Now we have had things touch us and that's because I give it permission to do so. So for example, when I'm trying to communicate with the spirit of a child, I'll sit down on the floor, I'll have some, you know, glow in the dark stuff with me or whatever. And I'll say, hey, do you want to give me a high five? Or can you come and, and slap my hand? And so those things have happened, but it's only because I've asked it to do so. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's, that's how we set those intentions. And I think because we do that, and again, give them the respect that, that they feel that they deserve. We've been fortunate enough to not have anything follow us home. Um.
1: That's a
0: blessing. <laughs> that is a blessing. <laughs> that's man. That's, that's so intriguing to me. Like, cause I like so I, I'm 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 kind of like I, I'm a I don't know I, I'm kind of weird in a way. Like I am I'm, I'm spiritual, like religious. Mm-hmm. Uh, yet I'm a big science guy, right? Mm-hmm. And science is is you know proof. Like we yes. do the same thing over and over and get proof. Uh, so on one hand, I'm like man, scientifically, there's no evidence. Blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, like, religiously, I'm like, well, yeah, like, yeah, but you believe in, like, the Holy Spirit. Like, you believe that people die in their spirit. But, like, so I'm really, so every every single time I, I, whether I watch movies or TV shows, I always walk that line of, like, yeah, scientifically, like, like yeah, but you actually believe in this stuff. Like, so how, you can't just, you can't say it doesn't exist or whatever. Like, so I, I constantly fight that battle when I, like, so even watch uh, movies or, or, or even uh TV shows, or even I want to watch their videos. I was like, I get the <laughs> sign. Like, I can't just, I can't say it doesn't exist. Like, so mm-hmm. walking that line, um, it is, it is, it's, it's, it's very uh, so intriguing. Man.
1: See, with me, I was the exact same way. I didn't think I never had any evidence of any of that happening to me until one day, <laughs> we were, uh, me and my wife, we were in Vegas, and uh, you know, we turned the lights off to go to bed. And it was this loud, like scratch against one of our suitcases. So I was like, well, I turn on the light and I try to figure <laughs> out like how is that even possible for that to happen? Mm-hmm. And you know, Vegas is already a notoriously uh, haunted <laughs> town. So I'm like, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. I. Then after that, we start going to different haunted locations <laughs> and this stuff like that. So.
2: Yeah, it, it is an intriguing thing. Um, and, you know, Emmanuel, to your point, I'm a Christian as well. And so uh, but to me, when we when we've been doing these investigations, it actually strengthens my belief in God and it strengthens my belief that there is an afterlife, that something happens after this. Uh, but mm-hmm. to your point, we also every time we go to a, a location, we go in with a healthy skepticism. Um, and by that, I mean, the very first thing that we do is we'll take a day tour of the location and we will take copious notes on everything that we think uh, environmentally could affect the investigation or cause somebody to believe that this location is haunted. By that I mean we look at uh, light uh, where light sources like street lights, um, tr- uh, car lights, airplane noise, train traffic noise, dogs in the neighborhood, kids in the neighborhood, um, and we we study those things first before we go in. So if that occurs during the night, we can say okay, this isn't paranormal. This is environmental. This is right. what is causing this. Um, And then when we control for those things, and I know I've controlled for those things, what we're left with is what we call the unexplainable. So by that, I mean, when we're in a location and I know there's four females, yet I'm capturing a man's voice when there's nobody on the property, or I'm capturing a child's voice when there's nobody, no child on the property. That for me is unexplainable. And we put it down and we label it as unexplainable. Because if somebody can come back and say, okay, well, I think it's this, this, or this, I want to have that dialogue because I want to make sure what we're putting out there is accurate. And um, so very rarely will we say that this place is is legitimately haunted. We'll say that we picked up things that are unexplainable to us in the moment uh, because we do go in with that scientific approach. Um, But, you know, when we like I said, control for everything, we have been very fortunate enough to capture things that I just cannot explain through normal scientific practices.
0: See, and that's kind of why I brought it up, because I I think, uh, I forgot which one, I I think it was, uh, you said, um, uh, somebody said that their place was hunted or something, Uh, but I think you were able to explain that uh, cars were turning, I Mm -hmm. can't remember, left or right, and like hitting a motion sensor or something Mm -hmm. several way, and it would trigger or something, and uh, so that's kind of why I brought it up, because, I mean, that that is a scientific element, you know, of Mm -hmm. uh, something that can be explained, like you said, environmentally. Exactly. Um, yeah so I that's when I was saying I'm like, okay, so it's more than just you know you go in and it with just a belief or whatever, and then something happens, you know.
2: Mm-hmm. yeah and, and that story that you're referencing and just for your audience I'll explain it just very briefly no. um, we were called in to investigate a business um, in my hometown and the the gentleman was convinced that his location was haunted and so the way his storefront is it's a all glass storefront um, it's it's a long narrow store and it had mirrors down the down the sides and he had a bunch of display cases and he had night vision video cameras set up around that uh, that inside that shop. And so during the night, his night vision video cameras would essentially go off, and he thought it was something paranormal. Something was causing them to go off. And so he called us in and said, will you investigate this location? And we did. Um, We spent about four hours in there. We didn't feel anything. None of our equipment captured anything. But we ended up leaving some of our night vision video cameras in the facility, and we left. So when we came back the next morning, I asked him if his cameras malfunctioned or went off during the night, and he said they did. And I said, well, give me the timestamps and we're going to cross-reference it with our night vision video cameras. Mm. And what we found was the way his storefront is, it its it's perpendicular to a, a place where a lot of cars made U-turns during the night. And so when they would make the U-turns, the headlights would bounce into his storefront, hit the mirrors, and essentially blind his night vision video cameras to the point where he thought they were being manipulated by something paranormal. So what That's we sick. told him to do was just change the angle of the cameras or take down the mirrors. And the quote unquote haunting would stop and it did. So, you know, those are the things we try to explain before we will categorize anything as, as unexplainable or paranormal.
0: Yeah, no, I love that. I love that part of it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I also love how in the videos there isn't any uh, like dramatic effect. Like <laughs> once you may discover something unexplainable, it's like, uh, this is what happened. It is what it is. Some other, uh, similar uh things that i saw is like this is just too dramatic i don't i automatically
0: don't believe it's skeptical right yeah.
2: <laughs> and, and and to your point you know we we we've done this so long that to us it's like that's fantastic can you make that noise again or can you roll the ball again and it's fascinating to us i mean don't get me wrong there have been times where we've been absolutely startled i mean you can't sit in a maximum security prison and hear a door slam and not be startled by that. Or, you know, hear your name being called through the tunnels underneath a dam and not be startled by that. Um, but to us, it's more fascinating than anything else. So we we, we typically don't run out screaming or anything like that. Um, I think that kind of rolls into Laura's question about um, paranormal shows and television shows. Paranormal shows, um, they've done... a a very good service to us in the fact that they've allowed people to know that we exist that paranormal investigators exist and that we do serve this function they however do a disservice to us in the fact that they are there to build an audience base and they do that through sensationalism and so you will see a lot of drama you will see a lot of this is demonic this is evil this is you know you shouldn't approach this because it's so scary um, but that that really isn't how it is with what we do. Um, I can tell you, like I said, we've investigated almost three dozen of the most you know reportedly haunted locations in the country. We've never experienced anything demonic. We've never experienced anything that I would consider evil. Um, we've had instances where I would say the spirit was darker. And by that, I mean, they just had a darker sense about them. Um, and we find those in prisons because they were bad people, right? You're not right. going to die and just become a good person all of a sudden. I think that that characteristic follows you into death. So we've had darker spirits that we've communicated with, but never anything malicious or evil to the, um, to the extent that TV shows say that it's out there. Um, so there is a lot of sensationalism. There is a lot of drama in television shows. So it is a little bit different in that regard as to what we actually do in the field.
0: Yeah, that, I, and you know that goes for because I, I follow all those, and and this is part of my skeptic, my skepticism is uh, because of that. Like because of like like Byron said, it's just like come on, man, like it's just too dramatic. Like now everybody's running out, like everybody is scared to the point where you know you, you're almost falling out, you're down there falling out of a window, or or it's like, it's just, it's just too much. Like come on, man, I like, can't. It, I get scary, but it just can't be what you guys are portraying. So. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, I agree with you that, uh, uh, you know, it, it, it has its pros and it has its cons. Uh, and I think that goes for any number of different um, uh, reality shows that that do, whether it's normal jobs or paranormal jobs, for that matter. Like, you know, there is a, a certain level of sensationalism where mm-hmm. it was just like, uh, you know, I just can't. Or, and it's, it's usually just me. Not just me, but just like me, like, I, I can't watch this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, just can't, I just can't watch this stuff. Man, that's so fascinating. So I was thinking, and and this was before I knew that you were uh, opening up your, your own museum and stuff, because uh, we, you know, and you were talking about how you lived in Cincinnati for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, of course, we have uh, Mansfield, yes. I forgot the actual name. Mansfield
2: Reformatory, right? yes. Reformatory, yeah, uh,
0: which is... You know pretty infamous here in, in Ohio for um uh well, of course, the movie, Shawshank, Shaw Shang, parts of Shaw was shot there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the, the movie Shaw for you guys that don't know, um, you know, and 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 they do tours and, and overnight tours and all that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I seen that it wasn't on you guys' list. So, one of well, my guesses, the question was uh, before I like I said, New Year's, you live in Ohio, was like. If you didn't know that like, that might be a place to check out potentially, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, so now that I know that you probably know about it, then uh, so not only uh, uh, have you went like maybe not professionally or, or like in a professional sense, but went for yourself, and then so um, is that usually how you guys come up with your locations? Like, is it is it more like myth based, or you guys like hear something, or does somebody call us like, hey, you guys got to get over here, um, or do you kind of just like? Hear it through the grapevine. He said, well, let's take a visit.
2: Okay, so I'll take the first part of the question first. Um, I have not been to uh, Mansfield Reformatory yet. It is on our bucket list of places to go. Um, a lot of the times, the the places that we go to, um, it's just really logistics um, because my my sisters and I we all have full time jobs, so it really has to fit in with everybody's schedule when they can get there and when um, the 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 facility has open availability. Um, okay. As to how we find the locations, it's really a mix of of all three of the things that you said. Um, the first one is we will research some of the locations. Uh, you know, there, there are those locations that are bucket lists for most paranormal, paranormal investigators, such as, you know, Lizzie Borden or the Velisca Axe Murder House or the St. Augustine Lighthouse. So we wanted to go to those locations to really build our portfolio um, in the paranormal field. So that's why we, we wanted to hit those locations. Um, so we will, we will seek them out. Um, uh, alternatively, we will have um, facilities call us and say, I've seen your videos, I know what you do. Do you wanna come and investigate our location? And we will take them up on that invitation. Um, And then the third one is we will have people, um, business owners or people who own a house that they feel is haunted, they will call us and say, hey, can you come and investigate? Those are more private investigations. We don't put any of that on our website or on our YouTube channel. Um, We consider those private if the homeowner Mm -hmm. Or business owner wants to release that information, we give them all of the evidence that we co- that we collect, and they can do it. Um, but we feel that that's not our place to do. Um, so it really is a mix of all three of those uh, those things.
1: Have you have you been to the? Uh, what is it? It's a brewery in Savannah, Georgia.
2: I know which one you're talking about, um, and the name escapes me as well. I Mold we have something. not. Yeah. Mold, um, yeah. Not Moon River.
1: um, uh, Actually, I think it is. I think that is actually River
2: Moon or Moon River. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's the one. Um, We have not been there yet. Uh, Not as a paranormal investigator. I've been there as a tourist. Uh, We have not investigated as a paranormal investigator. Yeah, there it is. Thanks, Laura. Moon River. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah, I've I've been there as a tourist, too. And, uh, you know, we asked one of the waitresses, you know, if anything ever happened to her. And so she just starts talking for like 10 minutes straight about everything that happens to her when she comes to work and her co is just looking at her just mouth open like what (laughs) (laughs) and they work together every day and she never told her none any of this stuff
2: yeah, you know it's interesting when you tell somebody that you're a paranormal investigator. They either look at you like you have two heads, or they want to tell you their ghost story. And uh, a lot of times, it's the latter. It's it's it is amazing how many people uh, profess not to believe in the paranormal, but. You know, this thing happened to their mother once, or this thing happened to their grandmother once, or they thought they felt something. Um, so I think there's a lot of people out there who who actually believe or have had some type of a, of a paranormal experience, um, probably more so than than people realize. Yeah, for
0: sure. Man, that's because that's why I, that's why I said. Uh, but to my knowledge, I haven't seen or experienced anything, but you know. Like you said some stuff you just can't explain and you know, <laughs> it <it'll> could be. <laughs> um, do you uh can you tell us some other uh whether uh personally or professionally like dream locations that like maybe that, that you have or that's on uh, you know your sister's list?
2: Absolutely. So, um we have yet to go international with uh with our little paranormal investigation group, but uh, we- hold on, I,
0: wanna, I hadn't even thought about <laughs> <laughs> I never really crossed
2: my mind about the
0: paranormal. The yeah, the
1: yeah,
0: yeah. yeah.
2: So, <laughs> so, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of places in, in the U.S. that I want to go, but my my number one bucket list location is Leap Castle in Ireland. Um, that that place this, this is the history behind that. I mean, I love American history, but European history just has a longevity, obviously, that we can't match. And uh, so to get over to to Ireland and England um, as an investigator would just be um, a really cool experience for us. Um, There's a place called the Monte Cristo Plantation in Australia uh, again, I've been as a tourist, but not as a paranormal investigator. And I would love to get back to that location to investigate. Um, there's an old jail in Sydney, Australia, that's uh, uh, very infamous for being haunted. Um, it, here in the States, uh, uh, the Queen Mary out in California, that's on our bucket list. Um, the Stanley Hotel. Again, I've been there as a tourist, but not as a paranormal investigator. So there's a lot of locations. And just, I mean, not even as those those large, quote unquote, commercial locations, there are so many small little locations that people don't even know about um, that have a haunted and historic story. And those are the types we really like to highlight in what we do. Um, So if if we feel that the historical component of of our job is really the, the most um, fascinating part of being a paranormal investigator, right? We get to have a very tactile experience with these historic locations that not many people get to. Um, you know, I've walked the stairs of the St. Augustine lighthouse. I've, I've slept in the Lizzie Borden house and the Villisca Axe murder house. And not a, a lot of people can say that. So if we can bring that experience to our audience, that that's our first job. And then coupling that with the, uh, the, the paranormal component, uh, that really is secondary. And so, like I said, that that's those highlighting those small historical locations is really what we love to do.
0: Yeah, I, I that's that's what we like to do here. I mean, clearly, two different fields, of course, but I like <laughs> we like to highlight, you know, the the lesser knowns, the uh, harder to find uh, that type of situation. And I and I think for both of our audiences, that's that's great. You know, like everybody knows about you know Mansfield or mm-hmm. or some of the places that you name, but you know the uh, Little farmhouse in Zanesville, like no one knows about that place, or you know, so like, so I I, I agree, and that's um, it's always better that way, I guess. It's just a little mm-hmm. less commercialized, and you know, if you stumble on you know a possible gold mine, you know, uh, entertainment-wise, you know, for for your for your business or you know even personally, like that's mm-hmm. uh, that, those are always like uh, leaps and bounds ahead of like the the actual for me at least the, the commercial places. Um, uh, We love to find those little hidden gems as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and and every place has them, right? You you go to any small town and oh. you you sit down and say what what's the ghost story here, or the legend, or the lore, and you will get an answer. Everybody in that small town knows the quote unquote legend or the 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 the, the ghost story that's supposed to happen, the the woman on the tracks, or the woman on the bridge, or the crying baby bridge, or something like that. They all have those little stories. Um, right. You know, we have we have a secondary spin uh, spinoff um, series that we do called Landmarks, Legends, and Lore, and it's not so much a paranormal investigation but it's highlighting those small stories like that, whether it be, you know, haunting cemeteries or haunting bridges or something like that. We like to highlight those things. It it really is just kind of keeping that historical component alive uh, again, which is what we love to do.
1: Do you think places that have, that that has had horrific events or like wars or just something traumatic happened you think those places have more instances of paranormal more paranormal activity?
2: I think they do. I think the propensity for paranormal activity at those locations um, is much more prevalent. Um, so like uh, 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 Gettysburg or any place that had a civil war battle, you're, what happened there is you've got a large release of of energy very suddenly. Um, and it's mostly traumatic energy, uh, death, obviously blood spill and all of that. So yes, you, you have those spirits that essentially had unfinished business. Um, they, they were going into war knowing that they could die, but you don't really expect to die um, in an right. instant like that. So uh, Gettysburg, uh, or like I said, any Civil War battlefield or hospital for that matter, um, are extremely haunted. You have a lot of paranormal activity there. Um, someplace like the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum in West and West Virginia. Um, this was built in 1864. It was in operation until 1994. And it was it was originally built. And if you haven't seen it, um, you know, just Google uh, the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum. This location is massive, um, but it was designed to hold 250 patients, and it was going to provide one-on-one care to those that had tuberculosis or some type of a mental illness, Um, and just through the series of events, the medical care really digressed into things like lobotomy and shock treatments and cold water bath treatments, and so by the time it was closed in 1994, um, it didn't hold 250 patients. It was holding 2,500 patients, um, all jammed into these rooms and very tight quarters. And so that those it, it permeates into the walls, that energy that 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 negative emotion, if you will, just permeates into the walls. And I think that's why you have that energy, that that paranormal energy, that unexplained activity there. And so to your question, yes, I do believe that that place that has a tragic release of energy like that uh, has a higher propensity for paranormal activity.
0: I see, I uh, so crazy, man. I I, I, because that's that's something I wonder too, I guess. Um, uh, so you think of a place like, um, your most glamorous place, let's say Hollywood or whatever in the States, like how many like secret, you know, wild stuff then happened in, in Hollywood or you know, some of these, uh. Um, whether it's movie lots or, or, or hotel, all hotels and mm-hmm. like, so many like hidden stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't know what would it, would the energy be, uh, uh, I, I would not want to say stronger, but just like, I'm sure the feel would be different, but I, I, it makes sense that the traumatic, uh, release of energy, like you said, like war or, um, you know, even people who thought they wasn't going to die, or, or, you know, as you're dying, you're seeing worse stuff, and and I can see how that could, um, I want to say overshadow, but especially we got a lot of people together as well, like so that that release could uh, make it um, uh, just a, a stronger source of energy. But I just wonder, like those old Hollywood uh, secrets, man.
2: <laughs> well, oh, you I'm know, sure. there there are sorts of. There. <laughs> there are reports of Hollywood um studio lots being haunted and and I, I and, and don't get me wrong I, I'm it's not to say that that only those places that have traumatic events are those that are haunted um you know there there are locations that that didn't have traumatic events but that the spirit is connected to that location for some reason and they're more comfortable staying in that location rather than moving on to whatever's next and so you know it it doesn't have to be that traumatic event Although that traumatic event, that release of energy, does allow for a a different paranormal experience, if you will, at those locations.
0: Um, Let me see. Laura said, "What's the scariest thing? What's the scariest thing that has happened to you on an investigation?"
2: And that's a great question. So um, I'll, I'll actually give you well, I'll give you two examples on this one. Um, so every place that we've gone to, we've been fortunate enough to have different experiences with the, the spirits of these locations. Um, I think that goes back to the fact that we really take the time to listen and analyze all of the stationary equipment that we have set up during these investigations. Um, but when we're in the moment, um you you have things that happen in the moment, but a lot of our evidence is is when we go back and look at those stationary pieces of equipment, like the night vision video cameras or the voice recorders. But when we investigated the old Gilcrest County Jail in Trenton, Florida, which is about an hour's west of Gainesville, Florida, um, this little jail packed a very heavy punch uh, with regard to paranormal activity. So, um, what happened in that location is it's a very small county jail. It was built in 1928. It was in operation until 1968. It had four cells on the bottom. It had four cells on the top and a small jailer's cottage behind it that was connected via a doorway. So after 1968, it said vacant um, until the 2000, early 2000s, and it really became a haven for drug activity, um, crime, criminal activity would happen in this location. It really went into disrepair. Um, and so the, the owners that bought it, again, bought it I think in 2007, and they allowed paranormal investigators to go in. Uh, they didn't really fix it up or anything, that, but they allowed paranormal investigators to go in and just do some research there. So I, the first time I investigated this location, it was a collaboration with Miranda Young from Ghostbiker Explorations. She's another female paranormal investigator. And she and I were the only two people on the property that night. And when we were talking to the owner about going to this location, she said, um, she said, now I have to ask you, do you guys carry? Are you licensed to carry handguns? And we said, yes, we both carry handguns. And she says, I highly recommend you keep your guns on you at all times during the night because that's the location that we're in. I'm like, okay, no problem. So we both have, we put our holsters on and we're both, you know, we're going through the, the building and uh, nothing's really happening. We're not, we're not feeling anything. We've set out all types of equipment. Nothing is alarming or indicating anything. Now there's no power in this place. There's no water in this place. It's, it's vacant. So when we get up to the second floor and again, we're not feeling anything. We've been in there for about an hour. And Miranda says, I wonder if they think we're law enforcement because we have our guns on. And uh so I said, Well, let's try it. Let's take our guns off. So there's a cot in this cell and I take my gun off and I put it on the cot. And Miranda's taking her gun off and she's laying it down. And as she's doing so, she said, I'm gonna lay this gun down nice and slowly. And behind us, a guy's voice said, Good. <laughs> and nobody else in the building. Um, we we both were like startled by this, and after that, like the night was on. Every piece of equipment that we had gave indication that that something was acting upon it. Um, uh, we captured shadow figures. We were seeing shadow figures in the moment. We had laser grids set up, and we would see shadow figures. Dart back and forth through these laser grids. Um, uh, we had audible EVPs. We were hearing in the moment. Um, we captured numerous EVPs that night on our stationary equipment. When we went back and listened to it, we were capturing EVPs on that. So I'd say that was the one of the most startling things that had happened to us on an investigation. Um, the, uh, the second location that we went to that had something startling happen to us was, um, at the uh, grand old lady hotel in Balsam, North Carolina. So this hotel was built in 1905 as part of the, uh, the rare, the railway system through the mountains there. And it was extremely opulent. It's three stories, um, had about a hundred guest rooms, a large ballroom, a large kitchen, a little tavern in there. And so through the 1960s, it started again to go into disrepair and disuse. And then the current owner had it. And uh, so she does allow, on the off seasons, paranormal investigators to go and investigate this location. So we had it for an entire weekend. Um, We had the entire hotel to ourselves for a weekend. And there was three of us. It was my twin sister, Jenny, myself, and Miranda from Ghostbiker. And so Miranda did her investigation on Friday night. And she was capturing some unexplainable things. And we did Jenny and I did our investigation on Saturday night. And during that night, we were hearing footsteps. We had disembodied voices that were that we were hearing. We were down in the kitchen area and it was about 2:15 in the morning. And I said, If if you're here, can you just let us know that you're in this kitchen? The coffee pot turns on just by itself. Click turns on. We got it on camera. So that was pretty interesting. So about four o'clock in the morning, we decided that we were gonna sleep. We we're gonna go, we we're gonna find one of the rooms and we we're gonna go to sleep. And so the room that we chose ran parallel to the most reportedly haunted hallway in the, in the hotel. And it's a suite, but it had two bedrooms in it. So there was an interior bedroom and an exterior bedroom, and it only had one door that connected to the hallway. So Jenny and I were in the interior bedroom and Miranda was in the exterior bedroom. So she was closest to the door. So we had the door shut. We had a night vision video camera on the outside of the door, a night vision video camera on the inside of the door and we had voice recorders sitting by the bed beside us. So you hear us say our good nights and um, you know, we just say good night about 15 minutes later, a man voice outside the door said, please don't go. And Miranda said, "Did y'all hear that?" And I said, "Yes." And she said, "What was that?" And I said, "There's a man standing outside her door." And she said, "That's what I thought." And then we just all kind of went back to sleep after that. Um, but you could tell that there was no man there because, like I said, we had we had those cameras on the door. We had complete control of the property. Nobody else came onto the property that night. So finding things like that um, was, is is pretty. It's interesting. It's, it's it's startling in the moment, but those are the captures that we love.
1: so so they really thought he was cops coming to arrest them
2: yeah yeah yeah. so you know and and that kind of that kind of goes back to that kind of goes back to the trigger item right it was like a trigger item in reverse it was an item that they felt was threatening and um and they just didn't really care for it and so after that like i said um if you watch that video uh there are just things that we cannot explain we have several pieces of equipment that are designed to measure electromagnetic energy. So um, uh, one of them is called a REM pod, one is called a K2 meter. And so theoretically, if I put this down like in a room and there's no power on in the room, this thing should just sit in the room by itself and not do a thing. It should never alarm, it should never go off. So the idea is that spirits can use their energy to manipulate them and let us know that, that they're there, right. Manipulate these devices. So this REM pod had been sitting there for probably an hour and a half, not doing a thing. And so then after the gun incident, you know, we started hearing all these things. So we stepped back probably about, I don't know, 15 feet from this, this REM pod. And we started asking questions about why are you here? Who are you? And this thing was alarming on command, um, just doing different things on command. So it was very, it was very intelligent in its responses. And uh, so yeah, like I said, the old Gilchrist County Jail is just a phenomenal place to investigate
0: i would have like uh so just like good I'm like well uh, i changed my mind but I'm not just let you know but i'm also not putting this gun down <laughs> but she's one of
1: us now <laughs> <laughs> Uh
0: so good man uh so you're talking about uh, I, now I don't know which which tool it is um i think it might have been the same one uh, it was one the ones that you did in ohio um I want to say it's in
2: Tawney, Ohio. Uh, we did an oh. investigation in Trenway, Ohio. Trenway, Trenway. Yeah, Trendway. at uh, oh. at Prospect, yeah, Prospect Place Manor. Mm-hmm.
0: And I think uh, I'm pretty sure it's the same video. I could be wrong, um, but you, you have put your uh, uh, like I said, I don't know the name of the tools, but put whatever uh, electromagnetic device or whatever in like the middle of the floor. I think you guys are like asking questions, and like the thing was uh, was like alarming or whatever. Uh, and then he's like, uh, somebody's like, all right, you can back up now, back up now you can feel free to back up, like whatever, and, <laughs> and then like, you see like the meter get lower and lower, like uh, that, I was like, man, you guys are insane, cause I would have like, Whoa. <laughs> He owns it now and uh he can have it and let's get out of here.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've done that at yeah, we've done that at several locations. Again, it's extremely compelling when we say that there's no power in the location. And I know I keep harping on that, but it does make a difference. Um, because it, the like these things are designed originally to find electrical pulses, right? They're the, they're used by electricians to find electrical pulses. So when we say that there's no power in the house, that's extremely compelling when these things go off because they're not designed to go off until they're somehow in association with, with power. Um, that also happened um, in a very cool manner in um, in Ocklawaha, Florida, which is uh, in Marion County, Florida. And in 1935, two members of the Barker Carpus gang, Ma Barker, and Fred Barker were trying to escape the long arm of the law in J. Edgar Hoover. So the gang dispersed after they had they had just committed a kidnapping. So the gang dispersed and Ma and Fred went down to Oklahoma, Florida, and they rented this house. Um, that was built in 1932. This was in 1930. They, they rented it in 1934. Um, in 1935, and in November of 1934, in January of 1935, J. Edgar Hoover and his guys tracked Ma and Fred to this house, and a gun battle ensued. It is still the longest gun battle in FBI history, but it culminated with Ma and Fred Barker being killed inside this house that they had just rented. They rented it under the name of T.C. Blackburn. And so and uh, that the family maintained that after the, the shootout, the family maintained the house as it was in 1935. So when you walk into it now, there's still bullet holes in the walls. There's bullet holes in the furniture that you can line up to the bullet holes in the wall. The floors are original. The sconces are original. Everything is original in this house except for the windows. And so in 2016, the family decided that they wanted to sell the land um, and the new owners did not want the house. They were going to demolish it. So Marion County purchased it. And they put it on a barge and they floated it across Lake Weir, about four miles away from the original shootout location. And they put it on about 40 acres by itself, vacant. They're going to make a museum out of it. Um, But right now it currently sits on, there's about 40 acres vacant. There's no power. There's no water to this, this facility, this house. And so we were the first team to investigate this house in 2018. Um, the first one that they've allowed to go in and do anything. So we set up night vision video cameras and voice recorders and some various pieces of equipment um, in this house on the the night of the anniversary of the shootout. So the shootout happened January 15th, 1935. So on January 14th of 2018, we went and set up all the stationary equipment and we left it run through the night. We shut the doors, we left. Um, So again, there's nobody in this house. Um, But yet when we went back and, and reviewed the footage, our things, our our K2 meters were going off. We captured a man's voice saying, get out um, at about five 30 in the morning, which was when the shootout would have occurred 83 years prior. uh, Mm -hmm. We captured two voices. One said, Freddie, the second one said, yeah, ma. The first one said, get ready, which is what I think they said during the shootout. Um, So that was very interesting. And so because of that, my sister and I went back about two weeks later And we took that REM pod that we were just talking about. And um, so we set it up in the room where Ma and Fred's body were found. Again, no power. And um, we started asking questions. And to your point, it would come, it would go on on command. Like, Freddie, can you you touch the REM pod that's in the middle of the room? And it would go off. And we'd say, now, can you step back? Freddie, is your Ma here it would alarm. Now, can you step back? And it would turn off. And so that was a very cool interaction, probably one of the best REM pod interactions that we've had on an investigation. That's so cool,
0: That's
1: so cool. <laughs> you moved the house from the original land,
2: mm-hmm. 40 miles yeah. away, mm-hmm. and
1: just the house still had this energy in it.
2: Mm-hmm. It did. Yeah, it didn't stay with the land. Um, and I think because Uh, They were they were bank robbers, right? They were kidnappers, bank robbers, very prolific gang during the 1920s and 30s. And so they were extremely nomadic during life. And I think that they're just content to stay with the the house that they were killed in.
1: So do you think um, when an instance like that happens, that they relive their final moments like every day or something?
2: Not every day. And that's a great question. Um, Not every day. There are two types of what we consider hauntings. Um, The first one is what we call an intelligent haunting. And that is where, you know, I I can go in and ask a question and I get an intelligent response in return. So, for example, we were at uh, um, uh, the Hales Bar Dam in, uh, in Tennessee, and this was a dam that was built in 1913. It was in operation until 1962, and it had a series of tunnels that ran underneath it. And um, so my sister and I were sitting down in one of those tunnel systems and I said, can you say my name? And from the tunnel came the word "Christy." There was a man's voice. It yelled "Christy." Nope. That's intelligent, right? <laughs> so it heard me, it responded intelligently to my question. So that's an intelligent haunting. The second one is what we call a residual haunting. and And the best way I can describe that is if you have a record on a record player and it's spinning and it has a scratch on it every time the needle hits that scratch, it's going to bleep, right? It's going to, it's going to bounce. It's going to nick. And so the same thing is, is, is how residual energy works. It's essentially a blip in time. So something like an anniversary or um, a significant date or a significant, um, you know, trigger item that you take in there will essentially trigger that to happen. So because it was on Uh, the anniversary of the shootout, That's why I think that we've caught, we captured those two EVPs. Like I said, it happened at around five 30, the shootout in 1935 started at around five 30. So I think that was residual energy. Um, that, that, that's just a blip in time. It's going to happen. You know, if somebody's listening for it, January 14th of the night of January 14th, the morning of of January 15th, that, that voice is going to happen.
0: So cool, man. It's interesting. Let me see. Uh, angel said sorry you guys I'm way back on the comments sorry um angel said uh she had a question for you can you communicate with loved ones that have passed um i so I, I'm gonna try to read her mind here and say that because she she was talking about earlier about her parents house being hunted like so would that be something that so if you if you kind of had that information let's say you went to angel's parents house and she said like hey my my you know my dad's name is greg or whatever and um and You know, like could could that first off? I'm assuming that would be able to help. You know, uh, establish some sort of a connection if there is a connection there, and um, uh, and if so, would that? I think I kind of answered my own question, but (laughs) I'll I'll let you. I'll let let you (laughs) say.
2: You know, I, I I personally i i can I'm not a medium and I'm not an empath or anything like that. So to have a one on one communication with somebody and say, you know you know, hi, I'm talking to the parents of this individual, you know, let's communicate through me. Um, That's that's really not what we do. Um, So in that respect, no, I can't communicate with loved ones. Um, But we can go to a location if that loved one spirit is is prevalent there. We can try to find instances on, on how to communicate with them or try to elicit a response from them. So we would take trigger items, something that was um, treasured to to that person, um, and see if we can get a response through that. Um, so as as far as communicating with one person specifically, um, I, we've never really done that uh, per se through empathic means or, or through like a medium type of situation, but we have had instances where we can say, okay, um, you know, I know that there's a spirit of, 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 of a boy named Jeremiah here and I'm getting responses when I say the name Jeremiah and, and things are, or when I, when I talk in like little boy terms, I'm getting responses. So I'm assuming that I'm speaking to Jeremiah. Uh, so that, that's really kind of how we communicate with them. And I hope that answered that question. Okay
0: um go ahead ahead, b i
1: was gonna say so i know that you like to do your research but have you been to any place where you didn't do any research at all you just went there and set up your equipment and just see if anything would happen
2: um, we've done that a few times in cemeteries and such, um, just because there's so much history in those cemeteries. And we've gotten a few act- a few things, a few activity um, points that we can't explain. For the most part, we like to know the history when we go to these locations. Um, and, and just not so much, in some instances, not so much the, the the deep down paranormal claims, but overall, like, you know, we've captured a woman's voice here or something like that. Um, But, you know, really, that's kind of how we structure our investigations. Um, We do a lot of research beforehand. I mean, we'll go to to state archives and museums and the Library of Congress, the Smithsonian, anything where we can find that information, um, because we think that allows our investigation to be a little bit richer, if you will. Um, It allows us to formulate questions. It allows us to formulate trigger items that we can take with us um, to really have that background narrative to see if we can communicate with them. On on their terms, on their turf, on their terms, on their level. Um, so for us, we we really like to know the the location history before we go.
0: Do you? Uh, so h-
2: how many investigations would you say you've
0: been on roughly?
2: Uh, probably at least three dozen. Yeah.
0: Do you do you have like a? a, a, a and I, I know trigger items kind of change per uh, situation, but like you have a favorite one that you came across, like maybe. Want to do either, uh, you know, use more than once, or wanted to just have success with, uh, like a a favorite one.
2: (laughs) Well, that's kind of like asking, you know, my favorite child, but uh, because, but every every location that we've gone to, as I said before, is so fascinating just because they have unique historical perspectives, right? So all of them have been quote unquote. Haunted per se, but the St. Augustine Lighthouse has a much different history than the Velisca Axe Murder House, which is much different than Hales Bar Dam. Um, so each of them are so unique because of their historical background that we've we've enjoyed every single one. Um, mm. Now, as far as paranormal activity goes, we've investigated the Old Gilchrist County Jail several times. Again, you know, I explained why. I just think that's just an amazing location to investigate. Um, we've been to Brushy Mountain State Penitentiary a couple of times, which Again, never fails to to really give us some unexplained activity. Um, as I said before, this is a location in uh, Petros, Tennessee. It was uh, it was um, built in 1869 uh, or, yeah 18 no 1896, and then it was in operation until 2009. And this was a maximum security prison. You know, the worst of the worst were housed here. Um, James Earl Ray, who killed Martin Luther King uh, Jr., was there. Um, so just a really bad prison with regard to violence and drugs and gang activity inside the prison. Um, So when we've investigated there, every single time we get something unexplainable. Um, The first night we were there is just my twin sister, Jenny and I, and we were um, hearing door slams. We were hearing audible responses, um, footsteps. um, We captured a lot on our stationary equipment, uh, men's voices when there was no men on the property at all. The second time we went, um, this was again a collaboration with Miranda from Ghostbiker Explorations, and um, we captured an amazing shadow figure. Uh, We captured it on camera. Uh, We all saw it in the moment. Um, We were, again, hearing voices, door slams. One of the stationary cameras that we had sitting in one of the cell blocks, we left it to run on its own. There was nobody in the cell block for the majority of the night because this is such a large facility um but during the night um rocks started being thrown from some unknown source and for about 3 hours there's just rocks pelting Whoa. our stationary camera i mean you can hear them click and hit the camera you can see them bounce in front of the camera uh, we have no idea where they came from and it wasn't it wasn't like it was it was paint or anything dropping these were coming directly at the camera um from that angle so a very interesting location to investigate is Brushy Mountain State Penitentiary wow
1: See, me in the moment, I don't, yeah, I don't think, like if I saw a shadowy figure, I wouldn't be like, hmm, it's nice. That's good footage. No, I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> the, the investigation is over for me. I, <laughs> not stay. I, I don't know how I would handle something like that. I don't, I honestly, I don't want to see anything like that. You know, I want to yeah, get I, yeah, yeah, in a a suitcase. That's <laughs> it. I don't, I don't need any more proof. <laughs>
0: I'm with you. If I were to sit that, i be like, oh, okay. Uh Yeah, it's haunted. So that's it. Like, we're we more than need from us. We we're success. You know, you guys made it, and uh, I'm trying to get out of here. That's that's so fascinating.
2: Yeah, it it really is, and it, like I said, for us, it's it's one of the yeah. things. that's like we captured the shadow figure. That that's that's pretty awesome. You know, let's continue asking questions. So, um, it, it once <laughs> once you're in the moment, um, it really is kind of a different feel than what you see on TV. You know, a lot of our a lot of our footage is filmed in night vision, so it looks like there's ambient light, but we're in complete darkness, and so you have to rely on other senses rather than sight. So smell is a very big sense to use, um, touch, feel, um, just the feel of the room per se. I mean, there is something to be said for the temperature dropping. It does seem to get a little bit colder when something is is about to manifest either a voice or a, a, an apparition or something like that. So, uh, you know, feel, it's a very big sense when we use, um, when we go into a location. So it really is just kind of feeling out the investigation. And um, for one of, for, for us, like I said, we've been doing it for so long. It's just, it's a rush for us. It really is.
1: See, when I went into the Massville Reformatory, like, it was probably 90-something degrees outside. There's, like you said, there's no electricity in this place except for the office part, mm-hmm. you know, where they run a business. Um, and it's just freezing in there the whole entire time. And this is like a stone building, so I'm expecting to be out. It was freezing the whole mm-hmm. time. It was just eerie, especially when we um, went down to the hole.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it was, uh, I I, I don't know, I had a strange feeling after I left that place Mm -hmm. (laughs) for a good amount of
2: time. Yeah, you know, the hole, in in most prisons, they have an area called the hole, Um, and for those that don't know, um, the hole is basically um, solitary confinement in most of these prisons, and and a lot of times it's in the lower level of a prison, Um, sometimes it's subterranean, Uh, The one at Brushy Mountain State Penitentiary, um, it it was pretty violent, right? So you've got these small cells, and sometimes they would lock people up in there for uh, up to 30 days. They would just give them a a small bucket of of water and and very little food uh, during those times. So it was really the worst part of the prison was the hole. But when we were there, I mean, we were capturing all kinds of voices down there, intelligent voices, footsteps. Um, my friend Miranda from Ghost Biker, uh, she's investigated there several times. She was actually one of the first to investigate when they allowed paranormal investigators to go in. Um, this was actually before they opened as a, as a tourist location. And um, so she was sleeping in the hole and <laughs> she's by herself. She's the only person on the property except for one volunteer who's in the the, the administration building. So she's sleeping in the hole and you hear a voice going, nice. And um, yeah, so that was pretty. She didn't even wake up. She didn't hear it. Uh, just when she went back to review her her audio and video footage, that she caught it. Uh, so that's, the the whole at Brushy is pretty wild. That's how you know when
0: you when you when you really love your work. When you don't even fade, you like uh, it's just another <laughs> one to go back to sleep. Yeah, I, I, and even if – man, all right, investigating it cool, but I'm not sleeping down there though. Like, give me a normal cell or something. Like, give me. I sleep
1: in the We yeah. sleep in the bed that was murdered yeah. No.
2: yeah, yeah, we we slept in the Lizzie Borden house right there where um, uh, Andrew Borden and Abby Borden were murdered, um, and so that was an interesting experience. And and that that um, that investigation really kind of highlighted uh, kind of what we do also um, in the fact that a lot of the as I said before a lot of the evidence that we get comes from our stationary equipment, whether it be voice recorders or our video cameras. Um, But every time we go into investigations, the very first thing that we do is we turn on our voice recorders before we even cross the threshold, because we feel that, that voices, um, as far as paranormal energy, it takes a lot less energy to manifest as a voice than it does as an apparition. So we get a lot of voices um, that we can't explain. So, we were at the Lizzie Borden house and um, we were still kind of setting up our equipment and um, uh, we hadn't even really formally started the investigation yet. So we set a voice recorder in the parlor, which is where um, Andrew Borden was killed. And uh, Jenny and Michelle, my two sisters, they were just talking, right? Just kind of talking about the day and you, you see them on the, on the video camera, just kind of talking, the lights are still on and all that. And um, it, when we went back and we listened to the audio from that voice recorder, As they're talking we captured a man's voice saying i'm standing right here next to you and they didn't hear him they didn't see him um but it was clear that he's saying i'm right here look at me or see me i'm right here um and then about an hour later cara one of my investigators cara and my sister jenny they're talking in the parlor and they're just sitting there just chatting about the difference between the Velisca axe murder house and the Lizzie Borden house. Cause we had investigated Velisca earlier and, um, Cara says being axed to death would be a horrible way to go. And we captured a male's voice saying it was, and again, they didn't hear it in the moment, but it was captured on that stationary, um, uh, voice recorder. <laughs> <sighs>
0: You guys are brave, man. (laughs) That's all I can say, because I, man, that's so interesting. Uh, Let me see. Andrew said, um, do you find better results during different phases of the moon, such as when it's full?
2: And that's a great question. Yes. Um, There are a lot of things that do uh, influence investigations. The moon is absolutely one of them. Um, Full moons do tend to give us different results, um, sometimes better results, depending on the location. Um, So the full moon is very important to to really be aware of when we go to a location. Um, Outside temperature is a big one. Um, We find that sometimes in colder situations um, that we get a, a different response than we do when some places is hot. Um, uh, so there, there are a lot of factors that you have to look at when you do an investigation or just not look at, but just take account of and note when you go on an investigation. So excuse me, the moon is definitely one of them.
0: You know what they say, you know, like full moon and, you know, people act people weird and stuff. So I can see that drumming up a little, uh, <laughs>
2: man. Mhm. And I think we had a question a little bit earlier from uh Leslie. Uh Leslie, I have never been to the Glidden House. I've absolutely right. heard about that. Um it it is one place that I would absolutely love to investigate. And I do think that uh, spirits can manipulate lights and light switches. We've had that happen, uh, especially, obviously, if you were if it was in the in the dark and the light just t- turned on. Now, that doesn't mean it couldn't have been electrical. Something absolutely could have been uh, causing that. <laughs> that is, you know, not paranormal in nature. Um, but if there's other things in that house um, that have been validated, then the lights turning on could absolutely have been paranormal.
0: So that's my problem. I, I, I'll try to explain everything everything like I'm, well do you know the lecturers personally like that <laughs> you know did you see it yourself you didn't see it yourself then it didn't happen or you know if you, you didn't hook up the, the light switch then you don't know if it's right but like, yeah. i'll try to explain everything uh almost to a part i guess but no that's uh let's say i wasn't trying to skip your comment but i was just so entranced but i mean and i feel like in, in every it has to be every, every city, I suppose. It has to be just a number of places. Like, I I never heard of this. I live in Cleveland. I never heard of this Clinton House, but I, I'm also not running in that circle either. I guess so. Um, you know, maybe I wouldn't. But it has to be a thousand. You know, uh, just think about how many people have lived on. You know, how many murders have take place took place how many, you know, whatever, uh, you know, battles, wars, anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sure, like you said, it, it has to be just a number of places in, in every town that you go to that has a story or some myth or legend or, you know, hearsay or, or um, you know, uh, just a story passed down from family to family, mm-hmm. every single, uh, <laughs> every single town, of just stories and stories about, you know, stuff that can't really be explained.
2: Mm-hmm. And, and to your point earlier, you know, that, that's one of the reasons why we do have a lot of equipment. Um, you know, uh, we we have more than, than a lot of paranormal investigators for a couple of reasons. One, when we go to these locations, sometimes it may be the only opportunity that we have to go to that location. So we want to make sure that we have uh, eyes and ears on, on every part of the property that we can. So that's why we have a lot of night vision video cameras and we have a lot of voice recorders. But we also have different uh, tools, as I said before, that measure different things. Um, um, so because if we can get um, two or three of these things to really interact with each other, then that validates that something unexplainable is going on. And so by that, I mean, um, for example, when we were at uh, the Grand Old Lady Hotel in Balsam, North Carolina, that's where we caught the voice outside the door there when we were sleeping. Um, earlier during the night, we were in a, in a room and um, we have a camera called an SLS camera. And generally speaking, what this camera does, it's it's a, it's a camera that has an iPad attached to it, and the iPad has an algorithm in it. And so when the camera perceives a human figure in the room, it puts that as a stick figure on the screen. And so even if there's no person in the room, if this camera perceives that it sees a, sees a person, it puts a stick figure on the screen. And so then we have another device called an EDI box. And generally speaking, it's a box that's been configured for paranormal investigators, but it has a vibration sensor on it. So if something touches it, it will alarm. It has a thermo or a temperature gauge in it. So if it goes up or down, you'll see the temperature change. Um, it has a pressure changer on it. So if the pressure changes in the room, that will alarm um, and it has a proximity meter. So if any type of energy acts upon it, it will alarm as well. So we had the EDI box on a dresser in one of these bedrooms and so we're standing back again probably about 10-15 feet we're all sitting on the bed and we're holding the SLS camera and there's nothing going on in the room and then all of a sudden the stick figure pops up and I'm filming so my angle of film is the camera the SLS camera and you can see the EDI box in the background and so the stick figure is just kind of standing there on the screen and Miranda says, can you touch the box on the dresser? So you see the arm of the stick figure cock out and the box lights up because something has hit it. So now we've got two pieces of equipment validating that something is going on. The, the stick figure on the screen, it's touching this box, which is has a vibration sensor on it. That's alarming that something's touching it. So when we can validate, or we can get something like that it just builds a more compelling case for what we're what we're seeing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's like um, if, I, if you just see something like that, it's like what, like how can you denounce like
0: evidence like that? Like I don't.
2: It makes it compelling. It really does.
0: It is, it is. Yeah, they just make you sit there. I mean, just like, literally, just how we did. As soon as you got done talking, we both just shook <laughs> our head like, "Wow, that's that's uh, so that's so interesting."
1: Jeez, you know what? We might have to, we might have to come down to Tennessee one day.
2: Come on, yeah, come on. I've got this jail here, and you guys are more than welcome to to come in and hang out. Um, <laughs> and this is an interesting jail as well. Um, as I said before, this was built in 1904. It was in operation until 2008. And even during its time as a jail, there were reports of things going on in here. Um, when we, when my, my friend Miranda and I opened, again, we opened about six weeks ago. But we spent about a month and a half prior to that just cleaning up and, and getting some historical stuff in here, or you know, um, artifacts and stuff that we wanted to house inside the museum. But we would have uh, deputies who worked in the jail when it was a jail. They emailed us and said, listen, I don't believe in this. However, when I was a deputy there, the elevator would start running on its own during the night. It would stop at different floors. It would open. It would close. It would go to another floor. Um, There were numerous times where we would hear footsteps on the back staircase to the point where we would call emergency headcounts because we thought the inmates were trying to escape. But we got, we got a full, we got, you know, we got our head count, um, but we couldn't explain the, uh, the footsteps. Um, One woman who worked in dispatch, um, she, she came in about a week ago and she was telling us a story about one night she was working here um, on on her dispatch duties and she had to go upstairs. So she got in the elevator. She's the only person in the elevator. She pushed the floor to go up and a man coughed in her ear. And she never rode the elevator again after that. Yeah,
0: exactly.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, and another, a guy came in yesterday. He came in to tour the museum and he was a former jailer here. And uh, he said, yeah, uh, when you go up on the third floor, which is our maximum security floor, um, he said that there was a shadow figure that would routinely at night follow him down the hallway um, when he was on his shift. So a lot of stories here. So yeah, come on down to Tennessee, please. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, so we don't want to keep you all day. I just, I just, I just want to know, like, is there anything that you want to, um, uh, I don't want to say either debunk or anything that you want to get out about, like uh, any people that do like paranormal uh, investigations or activity or or anything that you want people to know about, like your your field, your line of work.
2: Um, you know, I would say this kind of goes back to the question earlier about television shows. Uh, you know, when, like I said, when you watch them, you have to understand that their entire reason for being is to build an audience base, and they do that through sensationalism. Um, so there are things that are over-dramatized. Um, you know, sometimes we go into these locations, and we're there anywhere from 8, 10, 12, sometimes 48 hours, and we're we're doing an investigation that entire time. Um, And then when we're done with that investigation, you know, we have to sit down and we analyze everything. So if I've got 10 cameras running for 10 hours, I'm watching 100 hours of footage and just going through all of that. So there really isn't this instant gratification, if you will, from when we do an investigation to when we have a video produced. Um, So it does take time, which is a little bit different than a television show. And, um, you know, as I said before, for us, it really is going into a location with a sense of respect and reverence for the location, as well as for the, the spirits we're trying to communicate with. So we don't go in with bravado and, and we don't go in with, with chest thumping. And I think because of that, it, it's, it could sometimes be perceived as quote unquote boring than what popular media is, is putting out there. But for us, we feel it's important to really highlight the historical narrative and give you a, a really good demonstration of how we did the investigation and then what we found. Um, so that's why you know we we produce the videos like we do.
1: Yeah, because I, I was I was uh, the first one I watched. I was like, where where are, where are all the ghosts at? Because <laughs> you were talking <laughs> about the history. Yeah,
0: and yeah.
1: Like, oh, Okay, now nah, I understand it though. Nah. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and and for me, I like I'm not a I hate like reality television. I I don't really don't watch TV at all, but especially like the the reality TV shows or any of that stuff. So I, I found it super interesting. Like I said, when I was watching it, and uh, it was a well, slower pace, and it was more like the investigative part, which is which is the stuff that I like. Um, so I, I, I found it to be uh, I found it to be great. I, I, I had a good time uh, watching you guys' video. Well, thank you. Uh, I, I appreciate that. For sure. Um, before we go, I do want to uh, uh, just give you a chance to tell tell tell. I know you told us. I know we kind of started with it, but just tell everybody about your uh, museum and, and addresses and, and how they can find you. I'm going to put your information back up on the screen. And uh, just anywhere, any way you want people to find you or your content.
2: Okay. Well, thank you. Um, so again, I am Christy Sumner. I'm the founder of Soul Sisters Paranormal. And as you can see on the screen, our website is www.soulsistersparanormal.com. Oh, SoulSistersParanormal.com. We're also very active on Facebook under Soul Sisters Paranormal. And all of our YouTube videos are on YouTube under Soul Sisters Paranormal. Um, uh, earlier this year, I formed a partnership uh, with my business partner, Miranda Young from Ghost Biker Explorations. So even though we're two teams, uh, she and I have come together to collaborate on this museum, which is in Huntsville, Tennessee. And it, the, the website for that is www.historicscottcojail.com and uh, on Facebook under the historicscottcountyjail.com. And anything you want to know about what we do in the, the events that we hold, uh, we have uh, general museum tours, we've got uh, paranormal tours, we've got flashlight tours, we've got ghost hunts. Um, so anything you want to know about that you can find on those lo- those locations.
0: Super cool. That's super cool. We definitely appreciate you for coming on. Angel said that was interesting and fun. Well, thank you, Angel. Uh, if, if nothing else, I mean, definitely interesting and fun, but if nothing else, extremely interesting.
2: Well, thank you, guys. I really appreciate it, and I appreciate the support.
0: Um, all right, so I'm going to take you out, but hang on. Don't don't leave us yet. We're going to say goodbyes, and then we're going to uh, say goodbyes to you, too, okay?
2: Sounds good. Thank you, everybody, for watching.
0: <laughs> B. Mm-hmm. So, what are you and the wife going
1: down to Tennessee? <laughs> she probably she's probably planning a trip right now. She's planning a trip yeah.
0: right now. I can. not no?
1: For your birthday, just <laughs> you go on down to Tennessee. <laughs> take take, take a a Leslie with you. Next thing you know, we out of jail. You know, uh, <laughs> watching elevators and <laughs> go up and down uh, randomly in the middle of the night.
0: That's so uh, so interesting, man. Laura said that her tickets is already booked. <laughs> Leslie said uh thank you Chrissy for uh sharing your stories. Yeah, man, this was super interesting. This was this was good. This is a good way to I know you guys are not doing a party this year, but it's a good way to uh it's a good way to springboard for uh for Halloween, man.
1: <laughs> exactly. Um, um so yeah, it was a great show. Thank Chrissy again for coming on to talk and to share her experiences. Um yeah, I'm 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 i I like i like this way better than watching any one of those shows honestly (laughs) yeah but um, uh yeah most definitely thank christian for coming on um you guys out there remember to like share and subscribe this episode so we can support breast cancer this month um that's all i really gotta say just remember to own your own um (laughs) Don't go in uh, historical places uh, in the middle of the night. <laughs> unless,
0: you, unless you got your equipment with you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, and equipment, uh, that means can still carry <laughs> license. <laughs> the ghosts don't mess with you if you got can still carry. <laughs> the first is fine.
0: That's the first, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> don't take it off at all. I you know, love it, okay. man.
0: <laughs> uh, Man, so you know, as you guys already know, every time we do an interview, uh, be on the lookout for clips within the next day or two. They'll be up on the Facebook and then and the uh, Instagram and all that stuff. And feel free to come back and watch. Uh, like Byron said, be sure to like and share everything, uh, even even the replays. Uh, all that stuff adds up. And like I said, we'll give you guys a calculation at the end of the month uh, and be able to make a a, a, a a nice donation to the JD Breast Cancer Foundation. Thank you for them for uh, sponsoring us uh this entire month uh thank you guys for helping out thank you guys for tuning in as always uh you know we we'll do it for you guys we appreciate it so salute to the city as always you guys stay safe out there and uh stay out hunting places man i i i can't co-sign it <laughs> all right guys take it easy <laughs>